1: Use the promo code Big
0: Blue Wire.
2: Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host, Nick Pilato. Not coming to you on the best of nights, obviously. Feel a little deflated, frustrated by the Giants. 38-7 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles in the divisional round. There's a lot to think about when it comes to this game. If you think about it from a 30,000-foot view... Things are brighter. There's more of a silver lining. If you think about it just from this game standpoint, there isn't. There's not much of a silver lining. They looked a lot like they did in week 14 against the Eagles. We thought maybe after week 18 with all the backups and they put such an inspired effort onto the field that things would be different this time around. Well, the Giants had Dory Jackson. They didn't have him for week 14. They had Leonard Williams. They didn't have him for week 14. They had um, Xavier McKinney. Didn't have him for week 14. The offensive line had been gelling it felt like before this game. Now, this is why to me, Nick, in the NFL matchups are just so much, they're just everything, right? Like, it's not like the Giants took a step back from a momentum standpoint coming to this game. They just came off such a very big win from a momentum standpoint and from a gelling standpoint on offense, both with the offensive line and the passing game overall, things were only trending up, but in the NFL matchups are king and they mean everything. And this was not a good matchup for the Giants. They were Massively out-talented. It looked a lot like the Week 14 game. It got off to an even worse start, actually, than the Week 14 game with 28 to nothing. We're, let's start with this game. Eventually, maybe we'll naturally work into some other thoughts because I still think this season is a massive success, and there will be a lot of talk about that from us this week, maybe a little bit tonight. But how about this game, Nick? Because it was surprising. I didn't really expect the Giants to win. Look, I predicted on our preview show they'd lose by two scores, and they ended up losing by what? Five scores. it's not... Yeah, not, not great, but I did think there was a shot. They could be competitive in this game. And They just ultimately were not competitive at all. This will be go down as most likely the least competitive playoff game of any team this, this playoff season. So what do you think happened tonight? What, what went wrong? Where were you at with this?
1: I think the giants, I mean, they got put into this position where they were essentially just pulling the Roberto Duran, no moss at, at some point, right? Like it was. It got to a point where it was difficult to watch as a Giants fan because the offense has thrived playing mistake-free, efficient football, coming big on third downs. The defense, it was somewhat of a bend-don't-break, even though they were definitely uh, Swiss cheese D in terms of stopping the run. They've never been good at stopping the run, but they would get you to the red zone and then make a big play on third down and force field goals. None of that happened in this game on either side of the football. Right, like the Giants just kept going three and out after Brian Dable went for it on fourth and eight, which we can talk about a little bit later. The Giants proceeded to throw an interception on the next drive, and then they went four consecutive drives of three and out. Dan, that bled into the third quarter. They didn't pick up a first down until the like 10 minutes left in the third quarter, they didn't have any first downs in the second quarter, so that just kept putting Jalen Hurts in that rushing attack back on the football field with a defense that sucks at defending the run anyways and now is getting exhausted. So it was just a recipe for disaster. It literally was Murphy's law. Anything that could go wrong did. And the Giants just kind of shot themselves in the foot in certain situations. And their roster is not comparable at all to the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles are much better. I feel like they're a well-coached team too, just like the New York Giants are. And they were able to exploit The biggest vulnerabilities in the defense through a variety of different ways, spreading them out, running zone read out of spread looks, running a little bit of GH counter, and then just not getting too cute. We've seen teams this season, Dan, beat themselves against the Giants because they strayed away from running the football. Jacksonville comes to mind. I think you can argue maybe Baltimore when Kenyon Drake had like 116 yards on the ground, and there were some other games as well. Philadelphia wasn't going to do that, and they were able to rush for, I think it was 200 and... Sixty something yards. I think they had fifteen more rushing yards in this game than they did in Week fourteen. So it, it was uh collectively it was a their worst outing, but it was also against a much better opponent. The Philadelphia Eagles are a better football team right now than the Giants, which sucks, but it's reality.
2: Yeah, I mean, just looking at some of these advanced stats on all series that the Eagles started with a run play, did a ninety point five percent success rate, which is absolutely Jeez. insane. Because like when you are starting with a run play. In general, in the NFL, it's harder to win drives when you're starting with a run play. Not tonight. I think, to me, that was where this game went wrong the most. Like, look, you, you can talk about Table's decision to press early with that fourth and eight call. You can talk about the interception to Bradbury, where we knew this was going to happen at some point. Teams were At some point, someone's going to sit on this quick game, drive on it, and make an interception. It almost happened against the Colts with that Hodgins play. That's against a crap Colts defense that had given up. And it was a matter of time. It wasn't going to happen against a Vikings team that was just as bad as things can get on defense the point where they had to fire the defensive coordinator of a 12-win team just days after the playoffs. It's obviously always a sign of a broken defense, but it was going to happen against a great team with a great corner like Bradbury, who played that out perfectly, sat on that route, and we saw this happen in the first game against the Eagles, too when they would drive on those routes and when they would sit on those routes and the double moves were open at times for the Giants. In this game, Darius Slayton had a really great release on a vertical route. He got the step and he stacked. He stacked the defensive back. That's all you need in the NFL, but the ball was underthrown. And some people think it's pass interference. Screw pass interference. Throw that ball ahead of your receiver and it's a touchdown. So the Giants missed their opportunities. They had not many. That was basically the only one on those double moves. But it just felt like to me, when you have what you just said, Nick, a turnover on the, a, a fourth down stop, when you go for it on fourth and eight you miss it right away on the next drive, you throw a pick. The only thing you can have to happen to kind of get you back in the game is a defensive turnover at that point. But that's not going to happen when you're starting all those series against the run and when they're chewing up run plays over and over and over again. And I, we kind of knew this would happen. I said this week, really, the only way for the Giants to win this game is if they force the Eagles to throw the ball more than they need to because then that could lead to some turnovers. And on one of their throwing plays, they didn't throw the ball much. On one of their throwing plays, the Giants had a well-timed blitz. Xavier McKinney got in there and forced the fumble. The Eagles fell on that ball. And that was a potentially a moment where maybe the Giants could have some hope. But I really think you made a great point in this. You saw last week the Chargers lost a game when they are up 27-0 to the Jaguars because they ran the ball seven times only in the second half. The Eagles weren't going to do that, right? They took this huge lead, and they were going to run the ball over and over. Why? Because they could. Because they kept running the ball, and we barely had any stops. We had, like, a handful of plays that were even successful run stops, which is insane to me when you know they're running the ball. They were basically telling you they're running the ball. There were third and ones where the Eagles got six yards on a third and one. Like, give me a break, dude. Like that to me is like, oh, oh, the coaching. Don't talk to me about the coaching when you when this team is not stopping a third and one. That's on the players. That's on the personnel. And and some people might think that's on the players from an effort standpoint too, which I'm not going to comment on. Like it is what it is. There, I don't know. I don't think that's it. That was a problem to me. I think it's just a personnel issue. But. The fact of the matter is they never had any answer for power gap this entire season in the run game on defense. And then in this game, it was a disaster. So yeah, I think the game just got out of hand. Like you said, no first downs also hurt. Well, what, what'd you say? Four straight series of three and out for the giants offense. Four yeah, you're, you're not going to win a game after you turn it over on fourth down, throw a pick the next drive and then go four straight three and outs. Of course that's not going to work either, but There were a couple stops in defense, but for the most part, it felt like the Eagles could do whatever they wanted in the run game.
1: Dan, the Philadelphia Eagles had 416 yards of offense in this game. The Giants only had 227. The Eagles had the football for 11 more minutes than the Giants. They just controlled the football the entire game. Giants turn the football over, and what do you have? You have a recipe for disaster when you go, what, 5 of 13 on third down. But I think three or four of them were in garbage time, right? You converted a third and four on the first down. And then you had that third and three where Jones was sacked. And then Jones ended up going for it on the fourth and eight. But overall, man, you look at these stats in the playoffs, you just completely outclassed against a superior opponent, as we've said. They got into that fourth and eight. And I'm okay with them going for it in that spot. Like this is how Brian Dable has been the entire season. I'm not going to sit there and and applaud him for doing it when it worked and then lambast him now that it did not work. The one move, though, Dan, that I was very um, perplexed by was when he punted the football later in the game in a similar situation where essentially you're conceding victory. And it's highly unlikely the Giants were going to be able to come back even if they scored a touchdown on that fourth down play. But punching the football there was a little odd to me. What did you feel about that?
2: Yeah, I, I, was, I definitely didn't like that punt either. It's hard, to, it's hard to get on board with that one. That entire series really made me angry. You have a second-and-one situation. The Giants have been great in second-and-short-and-third-and-short oh. and and situations. They design a rollout play. Hodgins gets open, but by that point, he's not part of the read anyway. He's on the left side of the field. Jones escapes the pocket. Jones has to throw the ball out of bounds. I don't care what anyone says. You call me a hater, I don't give a crap. No, no. You, you have to know to throw the ball out of bounds there. You're way out side of the tackle box. It's very easy. You can just chuck last second. Literally, I don't mind that he was like ro- rolling around and doing things thing he's done very well this year, which is create on the move, hoping something gets open. We don't have the receivers right now to really get open on those scramble drills, but I'm fine with him taking that chance because we need a big play. But once you get to that point with the very end when the defense is closed on you. All you literally have to do is chuck that into the ground because you're outside the tackle box and you're not gonna get a grounding uh, intentional grounding. instead, he turns a third and one into a third and six and then he throw and he, and he short hops the ball on third and six. Like we saw some weird stuff from Jones in this game and it's okay. like I, as I said before this before this week, whatever happens in this game, I'm still really happy with Jones's development and I'm good with taking a chance. on moving with him going forward. I hope he can get to an elite level. Like some fans think if they improve the receivers and offensive line, that to me remains open-ended. And if it, ha- I think it could happen. I think it can happen. I think there's two sides to that. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. If they could build this perfect team around him with great O-line and great receivers and whatever. But as far as how he played tonight, we saw some weird things, right? Like, the miss to Slayton on the go ball that you got to hit that throw in the playoffs. Like I don't, I whatever happened there, it felt like the ball came out really weird. He almost shot, put it toward him, and it was short. And he's got to step, and he has the DB stack. You have to put that ball way out ahead of him with some trajectory, with some loft. Let him run under it. The short hop to Slayton on that third and six after he ran and like didn't go out and didn't throw the ball to bounds. Like what happened there? The throw to Richie James hot on the third and five after he missed Slayton on the second and five. What happened there? He read the blitz great and he was way off target. We saw some weird things from a ball placement standpoint tonight with Jones. I felt like that we just hadn't seen all season. It's not his fault. Look, the O line wasn't great. I, I know everything that's going on. Like, it's a tough environment, good pass rush. They fell behind. But, you know, these are the types of things that aren't going to win you football games. The Eagles, to me, to win a game 38 7, like this, Nick, where A.J. Brown did literally nothing and Devontae Smith had one big play and they still put up 38 points and won a game by 31 that's that's the most alarming part i think of this whole thing to me nick like they didn't really need to do anything with their best skill players on offense and they still put up 38 points that should show you all you need to know about where the biggest weakness on this team is it's not wide receiver it's not offensive line it's linebacker it can't they can't you can't win you're not going to win a super bowl if you can't stop the run at all like in a game in a full game like this right like there was nothing they could do to stop the run. I'm sure they tried some things. I'm Wink's not an idiot, right? Like, I'm sure they 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 knew going into this, they had to stop the run. And simply put, they don't have the personnel to do it right now.
1: Dan, it was bad, man. The run defense has been such an issue this entire season. We've known it. But it was mainly power gap encounter that they really struggled with. And we talked, I think, in the preview show. I'm not sure if it was Mike Gill or it was with our final thoughts about how there could be a little bit more zone read. Yeah. If Jalen hurts shoulder was okay. And I don't even know if his shoulder was okay. It's not like Jalen hurts was just, you know, absolutely tearing them apart, even though he had that rushing touchdown, Right. but the giants still couldn't fit it. And I felt like what Sirianni and Steichen were doing, they were just spreading the giants out. There was a point in the game where they were just u- use double stacks outside the numbers. And the giants didn't really know how to play it. Cause you have to respect AJ Brown and Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard and everyone in the stacks. But you also have to respect the rushing attack. And it was really easy for the Philadelphia Eagles just to hand the football off there. Consider the fact that they have that offensive line. And you have Gerard Davis and Jalen Smith as your linebackers. How the hell are you going to win that matchup? This is something that the Giants need to upgrade. The Giants need to invest in their defensive lines. I'm sorry. I don't want to see Justin Ellis out there. I don't want to see Ryder Anderson out there. I don't want to see Henry Mondo out there. We can't have that. You need linebacker. You don't want to see Dexter Lawrence for 85% of
2: the snaps again, because that's not going to ever no. be a good thing long term.
1: Absolutely not. Like I'm okay with the secondary right now. There's a lot of young pieces there, but we also got to find out what the hell's going to go on with Julian Love if we're talking like long term. But you have to fix that front seven because there, there's no chance you're winning playoff games if you're if teams like the Eagles and the 49ers and teams like that can just Run it right down your freaking throats. Cowboys did it against the Giants twice this year. Right. So you need to fix that front seven. And think back to Wink Martindale in Baltimore. One thing that those defenses did was shut down the run. So oh. it's not a Wink Martindale issue. It's an issue with this personnel.
2: That was the first thing he said. I remember watching that yeah. video in March where he was like, I don't care about anything. He had some kind of speech. That's, of like, his voice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: the way Garda one thing we're going to do is stop the run. It all starts there. And I know yeah. that's part of like who he is. He wants to stop the run, but how is he going to stop the run with this group? And you mentioned, you made a great point. It's really not just the linebackers. Those are the big culprits here. Obviously we don't want to see Jalen Smith playing again. I know, you know, he's, I still feel like he's honestly the best of those three that I saw this year, McFadden Smith and, and, uh, and McFadden, Smith and Davis. Like and not, none, none of, of them were good, but like, I feel like Smith was somehow the best, but none of them should be starting, but it's also what you said. It's the defensive line depth. When you have a rep like that, which we saw where Dexter Lawrence came off the field for one snap and put Justin Ellis on it, And what happened on that one snap caping all up the middle for an 11 yard run. It's like, what the fuck one snap? And it's one snap with him off the field. And then immediately Dexter Lawrence, it's like a timeout or something. Dexter Lawrence comes back on the field. It's like, all right, bring him back on. Let's trot him out there for another 90% of the snaps again for a 345-pound guy. No one in the NFL does that. No one in the NFL at his position played that many snaps, played a snap percentage that high this year, especially no one at 345, because that's not something you do. You'll wear them down long term. You risk, you increase the chance of injury. They're not really built for that type of like endurance based snap percentage. It's not a good plan long-term. So they obviously need to add bodies there on the interior defensive line. I think that's obvious. I still think this team has an issue, Nick, personally. I'm, I'm curious to get your take. Because I saw some plays tonight where it was and it's been the case all year, just setting the edge too. I don't know if these edges are great edge setters. I like Kayvon Thibodeau in the run game for some of the things he does. I think he does a good job right reading the zone read. I think he's really patient with that. I think he's great in backside pursuit as a run defender. I don't know if he's the best edge setter, really. And I think Jod Ward's okay at it, but they don't really want him on the field. Zizo Gelario, Shane is imminent. Those aren't like so. Now they have they have like fundamental issues with this run defense right now, as far as exterior runs go, perimeter runs go. And there's a lot that needs to be
1: fixed in one offseason. There's a lot that needs to be fixed in one offseason. I'm wondering, though, and the tape will tell this, how much of it is just the fact that maybe Wink was in a lot of too high split safety looks, cover four shell, stuff like that, which typically removes somebody from the line of scrimmage, making the front a little bit more favorable to run into. It's a little bit difficult to tell on the broadcast just because you don't see the safeties. But I'm trying to like see it like yeah. just like going back in my mind if there was like an extra defensive back in the box a lot how is that nickel defender playing the run was he cheating towards it because I felt like that was one reason why they ended up scoring the touchdown to Devonta Smith was because you had the stack to the field Jalen Smith went into the mesh point and Nick McLeod just took like one step inside and that just gave the leverage to Devonta Smith with AJ Brown throwing one excellent block on a Dory Jackson right. and that's a touchdown so the Giants At that point, that's the second touchdown of the game. You had the Dallas Goddard touchdown, which was man coverage. You're just like, bro, like we have to guard these receivers out here too, right? And then that's going to remove a presence in the box. So it's just like whatever the Giants were doing, the Eagles had an answer. And yes, you could say that's coaching. and, And to some degree, you're right. That is coaching. But at the same time when your defensive line is getting pushed off the football and they can't even come up with that big one yard loss or stop at the line of scrimmage, you really just can't do much from an X's and O's standpoint because you're just getting bitched. It's the Jimmy's and Joe's at that point.
2: Yep. You're hundred percent right. And that's why I can't blame Wink Martindale for a game like this. You can, if you want to, if you're listening, I, I respect that. Look, you, it's everybody has their own opinion on what's happened. I just think, defensively, there was a massive, if you want to blame anyone from a coaching standpoint, I'd be, I'd be more willing to blame the other side of the ball with Kafka and Dable to be completely honest. I think they actually had a chance to move the ball against the Eagles' team. it's not a great one because Eagles have a great pass rush. And that was obvious this is the first game in a while where the offensive line looked, I thought worse than it had in a long time. And oh, yeah. more importantly, they're just sitting on all the quick game stuff the Giants are running. And it's like, all right, well, now what are we gonna do? <laughs> like for some reason, Minnesota didn't do that. And we got very lucky to play that Minnesota defense. I was just like in total shambles. Somehow they won twelve games. When it's the playoffs with just thirteen bro. defense, thirteen games, and then just like Man. couldn't even play any kind of defense and just massive coverage lapses. But this defense is going to sit on quick game. The Eagles, they were going to keep even the, when they tried to remember the time they tried the one perimeter run with Barkley where they pitched it out to him and tried to get that going because like, oh, yeah, that worked real well against the Vikings. That was our touchdown. <laughs> How many Eagles were in the backfield for that? One? That was just like they snapped that thing up. They're like, no, 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 you're not running the perimeter on us. We're keeping everyone at the line of scrimmage. We're sitting on all your quick game. And this has been the book on the Giants for a long time. The Giants have been a team that haven't been able to beat that style. I said it's always been one of my bigger concerns. I hope it's not something that, look, there's a good chance that it can go away if you improve the receivers and the O-line. I hope so, at least. But that's been a book for a while. Keep everything tight because this offense, even when it was clicking, wasn't really doing too much past 20 yards. It was all still a lot in that, in that area of the field. So why not send all your defenders around there
1: and try to not respect anything else? And put it in perspective. Like, look, I love the New York Giants. I like Daniel Jones. I I, I think they overachieved this year, right? Definitely. But this team was dead last in explosive plays. So think about all of the pathetic offenses around the NFL. Zach Wilson and the New York Jets. You know, you had the Atlanta Falcons not throwing the football a lot. So a lot of their explosive plays were on the ground. The Pittsburgh Steelers with Kenny Pickett. A lot of these weird offenses that don't have the best reputations. They all had more explosive plays than the New York Giants. The LA Rams had right. more explosive plays than the New York Giants. Defenses know that. They're not afraid of getting beat from by explosive plays because the Giants aren't really generating them. And that's an issue, okay? That's something that needs to be rectified. And I think Daniel Jones has all the capabilities to rectify it, but I would like to see that a little bit more consistently. I think that's my biggest knock on Daniel Jones, which is fine. I think that is a completely fair knock right because like we have talked about Dan with jack del rio how he played daniel jones in that game there was no respect for daniel jones and his ability to throw the football deep and i'm willing to bet that jonathan gannon did the same exact thing at least early in the game when he when the game was competitive and then once it was yep. a blowout that daniel jones was throwing they probably dropped into more quarters and just played off a little bit more yeah but we, we need to see a more consistent approach of of the passing attack, expanding the field vertically to open up more of this quick game stuff that I know Daniel Jones can operate so sufficiently and effectively. So hopefully we can get that. And I do believe adding a true number one wide receiver will help that, but I think it's just beyond that. You definitely need the protection too. So it's not just one, one thing or the other, you know, it's right. definitely a, a shade of gray. It's not black or white. Yeah. And this is a bigger
2: topic of discussion because we, we knew, we knew all along, right? We, we, we weren't going to get fooled into thinking they could just run quick game for the rest of time and things were going to look as pretty as it did against the Vikings and Indianapolis Colts uh, uh, given up team, the Colts, right? Like we knew we already know that we learned that from the Garrett years. You can't just only run quick game have to be able to challenge the defense at all three levels of the field and outside the numbers like these are things that in the NFL they're non-negotiable if you're a quarter if you're not doing that as a passing game you're not going to consistently go anywhere in my opinion and the eagles didn't really do that tonight for example because they didn't have to that's the craziest part about this game dude they blew out the Giants, thirty-eight-seven, and AJ Brown wasn't even involved in the game plan. And Devontae Smith, in my opinion, was barely involved. Like they hit that one ball against Love early in the game, which is like a good design play, but like it wasn't really like they second were really play too. second yeah, play
1: second of the play game. In the game. Yeah, what was, does that, that do to the defense bad. too, man? That like makes the defense be like, oh wow, we wanted to stop the run, but now yeah. we really need to work. Uh, you know, it's right, right, right. Top, right. man. Exactly, yeah, but
2: other than that, they didn't really use those receivers, they didn't need to, and that's the craziest part too about this game to me. It was just like a purely the Eagles just purely were like, We know we can run the ball against you guys, we are going to run the ball against you guys, we're going to keep doing it. There's one drive like all they did was run and then throw that one little quick hitter to Dallas Goddard, like on a just like quick game, like oh, good job, you hit a little quick inside slant, and that was it. And then they ran in it. That was the whole drive was runs and a Dallas Goddard quick hitter all the way down the field for a touchdown, like. That to me was the moment I was like, "Holy crap! This game has no shit." Like, if you can't, if you ever give up a drive like that where they're just running every play, it's just like f f, f, f word because you know, I didn't want to curse, word. but it's like, yeah, I don't know, man. It was it was tough. Um, and the Daniel Jones thing and the offense thing is is important. Like, I agree with you. He has all the capabilities. He has all the tools. I think he made some great growth this year. We'll talk a lot more about Daniel Jones in the future oh, yeah. later. Um, not not on this podcast, but. Until they, and maybe this comes with just get him a wide receiver one, improve the O-line, but until he's attacking all three areas of the field as a passer on a consistent basis, teams are going to continue to play the Giants this way that we saw the Eagles play them tonight. They're going to creep up. They're going to the sh- play the quick game and, and sit on those routes like we saw with Bradbury. And they're going to, anytime they want to run perimeter stuff, like with that Barkley run that I talked about, there's going to be a million bodies in the backfield ready to sap it up.
1: Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with Win Rewards on WinBet. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports. From the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sports, WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer Bet $100 win $100. Download Bet Win. Download the WinBet app now, or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Be on the lookout for the WinBet Win Hour each Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. During WinBet Win Hour, marquee games of the week will have better odds on WinBet, giving you a larger payout opportunity. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where play-through WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700. I was running low on some groceries, so naturally, I went to a store that sells said groceries to look for my refreshments. There I was in the beverage aisle, and I saw these tall boys of what I originally thought was beer, but it was actually in the bottled water section and it was mountain spring water from the Alps and it was called liquid death and I thought to myself do I want to try this beverage that is named liquid death because I hear it brutally murders your thirst and their recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles and they also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution those are some pretty cool causes. So I bought myself some Liquid Death, and I enjoyed it. I was parched, and then I drank it, so I was not. So if you want to try some of this Liquid Death, go get Liquid Death at your local Whole Foods market, Target, and Stop and Shop stores, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash bigblue. That's liquiddeath.com
0: slash bigblue. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And think about that Bradbury play, too. That's an
1: excellent play by James Bradbury. We've seen him make that play time and time again. He's great reading and reacting to routes underneath him. But what did Jonathan Gannon do? Jonathan Gannon ran, I guess you can kind of call it a simulated pressure. Two guys did not drop off the line of scrimmage. It was only one. But Josh Sweat took Saquon Barkley to the flat, right? So now that edge player is removed. So Andrew Thomas had to respect Josh Sweat. He kicks out because he thinks Josh Sweat is rushing. And then you have the three technique release outside. So now Nick Gates is releasing outside with John Feliciano helping on that one technique. Linebacker, Not or actually I think it was the defensive back, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, because it was a reduced stack he blitzes. This is one one issue when you want to run a lot of reduced stacks and you want to keep everything tight, it can add to your uh you it can add a threat because the defense can blitz now, right? Right. So Charles Gardner Johnson just went right through the A gap. Daniel Jones saw it. He knew he was going to have his hot receiver right there Darius Slayton. He goes to throw it James Bradberry sitting there waiting knowing that he's going to throw right into the blitz. And that's one right. reason why that ended up happening. So that's like a great X's and O's right there from Jonathan Gannon, great execution from the Philadelphia Eagles, but it also goes to show you that teams know the tendencies of the New York Giants, when, or it's not even just the New York Giants, it's football, when you're operating at a quick game, and you can manipulate the protection. And that's exactly what happened on that play. And we talked about it a lot too, man, with the Minnesota Vikings. What did the Giants do so often to Mike Kafka? And it was excellent because the Vikings didn't know how to deal with it. They just sent Saquon Barkley to the flat, send him to the Mm -hmm. flat, send him to the flat, send him to the flat. This time they sent him to the flat, Josh Sweat kicks out, and then both of those guys kick over, Because maybe they didn't think Josh Sweat was going to kick out there. And now that player that they might have thought, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, was going to kick out there ends up blitzing right into Daniel Jones's face, interception. And that was the second drive of the game.
2: And that's the difference between Gannon, Jonathan Gannon and and, uh, Ed Donaton, I guess, right? Because they run pretty similar systems, but this one looked completely different i mean this eagles defense looked nothing like what we just saw on tape against the vikings last week it's night and day um from not just a talent standpoint from like what you just said you did a great breakdown and i think that's an interesting point you made because we talked a lot last week about like it being almost like a cheat code for the giants to run all these stack wide receivers and and even earlier in the game they had a nice first down where they had that stack release and the guy broke to the inside i think it was richie james and he was wide open but not that's a good point. There is one deficiency. Or there's probably more, but one deficiency that you that is definitely there that I like that you brought up is, like, you can blitz from that spot. Like, you have a guy lined up over those receivers, and you can do, like, a nickel blitz like that, or you can send guys that you may not expect to be coming there. And so that happened on that play, and unfortunately, it led to the interception. That was a big, big turning point in this game for sure. So was the fourth and eight. I mean, that really set the tone for this game. Once you go down 14 nothing, you have to change everything you want to do. You, you throw out most of the game plan, and you're – and you're pressing. I thought it was interesting how, you know, one of the, the Giants one touchdown drive, they chewed up like six minutes of clock. There were a lot of plays on that drive where there was like two seconds on the play clock and they snapped the ball. I was not understanding that from a time management standpoint i think there was one knock i had on Dable all season it was his time management i don't think i think there were times where it was it was messy and 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 needs to be and needs to be worked on and probably will look he's a first year head coach he's only going to get better and he's only going to get more experience hopefully if he doesn't have to start calling the plays because i think that would actually take a little bit away from him too um but i don't think he will i think he'll probably hire someone regardless what happens with kafka um and this might be uh, the one silver lining might be that after a game like this, maybe they don't hire Kafka. I don't think it really depends on that though. It's going to depend no. on his interview and how well he does there to be completely honest. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, it was a rough game. I just, I wasn't expecting it to be this bad, Nick. I I, I don't know, man. I just, I, it, it was tough watching with the whole family. It's just, Oof. It was a frustrating experience. It was really shitty. We were all really hyped up about the game. Um, and it just felt like, I
1: guess, at no point we really felt like we had a chance to win this thing. Nah, it started early, man. It started early for yeah. sure. And dude, like, no Giants receivers had any catches in this game other than Richie James. It's, it's like crazy. Hodges, they all had
2: nothing from Hodgins.
1: Hodges had one catch for three yards, Darius Slayton, yeah, yeah. one catch for four yards. I mean, Lawrence Cager and Marcus Johnson had one catch for 16 and 17 yards, respectively. Matt Breida had one for 19. It was literally Richie James was the only freaking giants receiver that had more than two catches saquon barkley had two so that's you're not gonna win like that and there's a lot of reasons for that right because the giants didn't have the football man they just never had the football because they couldn't sustain drives and they just kept getting blasted by that eagles pass rush we knew the giants offensive line was gonna struggle i don't know if we knew it was gonna be this glaring because they ended up having five sacks in this game dan but like they could have had so much more if the Giants were actually converting on third downs and moving right. the football and had more opportunities to sack them. So five sacks is nothing to, to shy away from. And the Giants had the one sack. There's Xavier McKinney one that you brought up before, but yeah, there's um. But still, man, even so, like it's raw right now, right? We're getting it out. We're yeah. being cathartic. You know, we're commiserating a little bit, but nobody expected the New York Giants to be in this position, and I think we have to keep that in mind.
2: 100%. I mean, look, this game again looked a lot like a We 14 game, yada yada. And after that game, what, what did we say to each other? We said, is, is gave us a good feel for where the Giants are at. They're a team that's made incredible jump with great coaching, but they're still far away from being a Super Bowl competitor right now yeah. this current roster. I think that was proven obvious today. Like this roster needs a lot of help to be competing with these types of teams. Like you're never going to win a Super Bowl if you can't stop the run like that. Like that, uh, that that's the first thing that needs to be said. But that's not the only issue. You brought up a great point. The old line didn't do a good job protecting. The receivers there's nothing explosive about them at least in this game. Um, obviously, you know we didn't really threaten with with the passing game. Whoever you want to blame that for, at any level, of the field, like you said, no receivers really involved at all at any point. Uh, the run game wasn't really where There's a lot of issues from a talent like matchup standpoint against a team like this, an elite team. I think the Eagles are probably the best roster remaining in the NFL. I don't think they have the best quarterback, so I think that drops them down, and I'm, that makes me unsure of if they're won the Super Bowl or not. I really hope they don't. I'm praying they don't. I really hate this coach Sirianni. I think he's a jerk off. Somebody in in one of our shout out to whoever it was, somebody who follows us on uh, on the podcast and replied on Twitter was like, Nick Sirianni looks like the type of guy who would yell at his wife in public. And I think that's like an apt description of Nick Sirianni. (laughs) Like, honestly, like he's like in the even in the presser, like he was like he's like yelling at the the Philly people, like the disrespect they've had to Jonathan Gannon. He's like calling people out. You work at the radio station. I know you said, so. he's like name calling people. And then he's like going on for like four minutes. And then, and then he's like, anything else I need to say on that? And they're like, no, 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 you made your point. Like, we think you made your, I think you made your point. Like, I was, like, dude, what are you doing? Like you guys just won 38 to seven. You're rolling into the conference championship at home. Like don't worry about what the radio station said about Jonathan Gannon. Like I get it. He wants to want to like up his coach. And it, I like all that. Like, but like, the way he w- goes about, it, it's hard to explain. You have to see the interview yourself. I just like this guy's just a like, kind of douchey. <laughs> I'm just not a fan of this dude at all, and obviously I hate the Eagles anyway. But as far as just yeah. the main point goes, like from their roster standpoint, Jalen Hurts to me wasn't like didn't have some kind of phenomenal game tonight by any means, and we didn't put any pressure on him, and really didn't put him any spots where he was pressured, not like from. The physical standpoint of like your pass rush i just mean of like the pressure of the situation right like having to make a big player a big throw into a tough spot and i think that's going to be the case moving forward for them with a roster that's good at least this year but having said that like that gives us a good kind of i don't know perspective on where this roster needs to get to right like we want to have a roster like the eagles eventually to be in a position where we can host this game right here and play a team like the giant, like the future giants who are just coming up and had their own great season, but don't have the greatest roster. And it kind of all comes to a head because in the end, momentum is one thing. Russ first rest with the Eagles. Haven't played really in four weeks. None of that matter tonight. It's all match. Like the matchups are all that matter tonight. The personnel is all that matter tonight. I don't even think the coaching played that big of a role in this. This was a personnel loss for the giants.
1: Yeah, I I would, I would have to agree with that. I would say the coaching, of the Eagles is just as quality as the giants, at least in this matchup, like they played really well. They put their team into a position to have success, but they're cooking with much fresher ingredients. Whereas the giants, not so much. The giants have holes on their roster as we laid out this entire season. And I'm just grateful that the giants were in a position this year to where they had to win one game to get to the conference championship in the first year of a new regime with a quarterback, everybody, had written off, and now it seems like his career is revitalized, right? So, I, I feel like the Giants are in an excellent spot. It's just it's just kind of embarrassing to lose in this manner in national yeah. television because this is it wasn't competitive. It, it got to a point, like I said earlier, man. I was like, no, no, Moss. Like, we, we don't want no more. Roberto Duran, this shit. Get me out of here. Freaking, the Eagles are Sugar Ray Leonard, and I, I absolutely hate that because I really do hate the Eagles. And now I'm like looking at this, bro, and I'm like, I really hate the Dallas Cowboys, too. So if the Cowboys upset the 49ers, you
2: need the Niners tomorrow. Oh my
1: God. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a huge 49 er fan yes. tomorrow. And if they win, obviously next week. And I'll that will probably carry into the Super Bowl if they can do that solid for me. You know, because I actually like those AFC teams. I like the Bills. I like the Bengals. You know, I feel like they're easy to root for. I like the Chiefs. But if the 49ers do that solid for us, Giant fans, I'm gonna have to pull for yeah, the You'll
2: have their backs for the Super Bowl. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot too yeah, look, i'm I'm the same we're obviously in the same boat. Everyone who's listening to this is in the same boat as that. We do not want Eagles Cowboys MC championship game. But I think it is important to 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 reflect now on like the greater picture here in the thirty thousand foot view. This season was the season was an insane success for the Giants. They came into this year almost everyone predicted them to win four or five games. We had a higher prediction. You had eight, I had nine. Like we were a little bit higher because of the coaching and that ended up being right and a big reason. But it wasn't only the coaching. Like you talked about, there are other great things. The quarterback development, Daniel Jones, took a massive jump this season. There's no way you can deny that. Anyone, even anyone who had written him off still has to even accept that he took a jump. That doesn't mean that you have to now say like, he's going to be an elite quarterback. I know there was a tweet floating around yesterday from one of the Giants content creators that, that I sent to you nick because it was, it was it was absolutely incredible it was uh daniel jones is now better than josh allen uh that was the tweet and he's at the level if not a little bit better than mahomes i think it said just incredible stuff right there just really hit giants twitter hitting an all-time high right there but even if you don't believe that he's going to get to that lead level there's no denying that he took a massive jump as a quarterback just as a playing the position right he was ridden off year four this almost never happens in year four of a quarterback. There's, if you get to year four and you didn't make it yet, you're almost, oh, you're almost, I don't know if there's any other, like, we'd have to rack our brains to think of any other quarterbacks. You talk about like Geno Smith, but he didn't go three straight years before breaking out in the fourth. And so, development he made from just overall things that you can obviously see his pocket presence, his pocket manipulation, his pocket feel, even at a play tonight where he escaped the pocket and found, I think, like Richie James breaking back toward the middle, one of those plays, his ability to create off script, script incredible strides and in all of these ways. Even some of the things we talked about in that Minnesota tape from last week, like just recognizing things that he sees and that the coaches tell him. And, and from a post pre to post snap processing standpoint, he's made major strides. So we had one, we, we, the giants far out expectations from a win standpoint Two, their quarterback developed and took a massive jump in his development. Three, they had a breakout player on defense, Dexter Lawrence. Like he wasn't like, they, he was arguably the best nose tackle in the NFL. Some people think he's the best defensive tackle this year. And that wasn't the case for the first three years of his career. Some, You know, you can look at the tape and be like, there were signs of it, but he was never this good. Andrew Thomas, I think, solidified himself as one of, if not the best left tackle in the NFL. All of those things still happen for the Giants this season, despite the fact that going into the year, they had like 75% of their total cap to even work with. 25% of their cap was spent on either Galladay or all the dead cap, the soldiers, the Logan Ryans, the Kyle Rudolphs, like all those contracts. They were so cap strapped that they couldn't even really like they had to like m- weirdly maneuver their practice squad call and do like certain special things to like not maximize it. And like, all right, well, we got like 100K to work with here. Let's do our best to like make sure this dude's on the <laughs> practice squad an extra week. Like who has to do that? It's yeah. like an insane thing to ask of a GM. He didn't panic trade for a wide receiver like Claypool, the deadline dumping. I think the Bears lost the 32nd overall pick in that trade because the, the Dolphins lose their first rounder because of the Brady thing. So the 32nd overall pick, he didn't do that then even so found Hodgins off the waiver wire for free, like just maximized everything he could squeezed every last drop, like every last drop of juice out of that orange Joe Shane this season, in my opinion, all these things happen for the giants this year. And all of those things combined with the fact that we know we got the coach right. It makes it impossible not to be excited about the future. I am. I think we're heading in the right direction. We have the coach, right? Quarterback starting to get better. He's developing. we got to get the right pieces around this whole entire roster. Losing a game like this, it's going to put a sour taste in your mind, in your mouth, no matter what, right? Like, it's hard to not feel crappy about this. I don't feel good right now. You guys can tell from my tone this entire pod. I feel like even Nick's tone, which is usually a bit more chipper than mine, has been down. We lost 38 to 7. We weren't competitive. We were embarrassed on national TV. That is the worst part to me. If we had just lost, like, the Jags lost, that would have been fine to me because, like, like, oh, we competed. We weren't quite there, but we put out a great effort. This wasn't that, but
1: it doesn't take away any of the things that happened this year. I think that was really well put, Dan. Good oh, job. Oh nah, yeah, I thought that was a really good uh little rant there and I think you're correct too, man. This has been a wonderful season. And as I said earlier, I'm grateful for it. Yeah. We 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 can look at it now though. 38 to 7. That that sucks, <laughs> but we're going to turn the page. Yeah. For us pot for this podcast, we're going to start getting into the draft soon. You know, we have the senior bowl coming up. I got some work I, I need to do. The Giants decided to win football games and, and play in January, which is something that I've never experienced in my professional career. So that's going to be fun looking forward. And I trust Joe Shane and his ability to evaluate talent and bring the right people into this building that can be used and maximized by this coaching staff. And I think that's something that maybe not every NFL team has where right. the general manager and the coach are literally, these guys are like buddies, man. Like they're like best friends type stuff, right? This isn't just like a working relationship thing that they have. So I really think the future is bright, but it sucks for tonight. It sucks that you're driving in your car, driving to work right now that, that this happened in the New York Giants. But let's remain, um, I'm going to remain optimistic about the future as I'm sure a lot of people will.
2: Yeah, and one more thing to be optimistic about on that note is the Giants did not panic trade like we had seen in the past, or use a supplemental draft pick on Sam Beal because you have no corners, any of their picks. So they have all of their draft picks plus more because they have the late third from the Kadarius Tony trade and the sixth that they got from that Kadarius Tony trade. These are Chiefs picks, so they're not going to be great, but they're picks, and they're the day three. I mean, the the late three is still going to be a pick that happens before day three. It's going to be a pick that you get to do, you get to make that before they break and go back to Saturday. I think that's worth something right there because once you have that time to regroup on Saturday, a lot of the best players come off the board right away on day three, uh, on the final day of the draft, day three. So they have all that to work with, including their own first. And a lot of cap space. That was the other thing. Joe Shane didn't do any in-season restructurings. He did the Leo one because he had to because freaking Gettleman. He did the Dory one because he had to because freaking Gettleman. It was literally the only way to get through this season. (laughs) This is insane that he had to like – there was no other way. That was the only way. But outside of that, he didn't do many. Uh, He didn't do any. And so they're going to be in a good cap spot. Now, that's going to that's going to dry up fast depending on who they resign and we'll make those decisions. We'll go into all of that. There are a lot oh, yeah. of conversations to be had about this off season. They, I can pull it up right now. I was actually, I knew this was the case, Nick. Um, so it's like, I wasn't that surprised. Let me try to pull it up right now. I'm just, just an intriguing thing. So here's a tweet from Adam Schefter right after the game that just went over like all of the giants uh, free agents. Now there are obviously some names that are bigger than others, but, Just thinking about this list in its entirety from the fact that who started for the Giants this season, maybe we don't want them as starters next year, some of these guys, so I can understand being like, ah, whatever, he's a free agent, we'll replace that starter, but there are a lot of starters that are about to hit free agency. So we've got Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, starter, starter, Julian Love, starter, Darius Slayton started this year, Richie James started this year, that's five, John Feliciano started this year, that's six, Nick Gates started, I know he rotated, but he started, that's seven. Fabi Moreau started for most of the year eight, and Oshane Ziminen, That he's not a star. So eight, eight of these guys. And there's Ziminens, uh, Shepard. Uh, who did I not name the non-starters? Zimman, Shepard, and that's it for the non-starters. But seven starting players are about to hit free agency this this off season. So that there's a lot of cap to work with, but there's going to be a lot of big decisions to be made. It's going to be really interesting to see, and we're going to get into all of these debates. Uh, we'll we'll talk about it. Would you say, Nick? Three of those guys are captains too. Yeah, you're right. Julian, Julian love Barkley and Jones, right? Yeah. Yeah. Three captains too. And and I'm going to, we'll get into it as we go, Nick, but I'm probably, I'm teetering toward letting in in the camp of no, no Julian love right now. And I'll explain why as we get into it, it's mostly a cap situation and a roster based situation. They just don't really, I, I, but I'm not in the, I just think you can find Julian. I also think part of why the Giants run defense was bad was because of the safeties this year. So that's like a whole nother topic for another conversation, because I just feel like in years past, we've had like the guys like peppers just firing downhill into the, you know, into the alley. We loves good, but he's not really that level of run defender. In my opinion, he's definitely not left that level of threat in my opinion, in the run game. And so we'll get into all those discussions as they go forward, but that's a lot of free agents that they're going to have to make a decision on this offseason. So it's going to be an incredibly interesting offseason. I'm excited to get into.
1: Same here and not even just free agents, Dan, like you're talking about the faces of your franchise, like those first two names that you mentioned, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley are the two faces of this franchise right now. And you have to make a decision on those guys. And I'm imagining that Daniel Jones will be back. We're not going to get too much into it tonight, but I'm imagining the Giants are going to re-sign Jones and they'll probably look to re-sign Barkley. But that is still a decision and contracts, they can be restrictive if you lock up money long-term. And. How does Joe Shane actually want to build this roster out going forward? Is he going to be active in the free agent market this year that aren't current New York Giants? So the Tremaine Edmonds looking at linebackers because Joe Shane's a smart guy. He knows this defense needs work. He knows this run defense needs work. And there are going to be some interesting names that come up at the linebacker position, but some of these guys might look to reset the linebacker market. Do you want to allocate money towards a player like Jermaine Edmonds because of that I'm not sure, but I am excited right. to talk about it though. For agency, it's going to come up sooner than you think. Probably man, like this kind of stuff always sneaks up on. you like, Oh my God, it's yeah. only been a couple of weeks. It's already here. Like, and then the drafts there and you're just like, Oh geez. And the next thing, you know, you're rolling in the training camp.
2: Yeah, you're right. And some of the in-house guys get signed even before way before, you know, March, 8th comes or whatever the official date for BNC is. I think it's March in the teens, March 12th. I can't remember right now. My brain's still just focused on that game and just trying to get that, that stench off. But yeah, man, it's going to be really interesting to see where they go with that. And I know after the game, just to give a little updates on it, Saquon Barkley said that, you know, he feels like he hopes he proved himself that he could still be the player that he was to, to the franchise this year. And that he said, I don't think this is going to be my last game in a Giants uniform. I've made it clear from the start. I want to be here that was his stance. Daniel Jones had the opposite. It was really interesting. Daniel Jones is like, I'm not talking about any of that. We'll, di- well, this loss is still fresh. We'll tackle it in the offseason. season. And really throughout the year, Barkley's had that same tune and Daniel Jones hasn't said one thing about it. There hasn't been one Daniel Jones saying, I want to be a giant for life type of comment this year. Now, I think a lot of that is agent driven, completely, completely honest. I think the agent has made it clear to Daniel Jones. Don't you give up any leverage here by letting the the you know by letting the media run with a quote you saying like I want to be a giant for life that gives up leverage and so then you would ask like oh then how does that make sense why would Saquon Barkley say it well the difference is Saquon Barkley is a well more established player at his price point right like Saquon Barkley is a rookie of the year under his belt he has the numbers he has the stats a lot of people felt like this offense was Barkley driven at least for the first half of the season so I think it's a different situation there
1: Yeah. And Daniel Jones is also has that Eli Manning thing where he just gets up and he's not really saying anything in front of the (laughs) microphone. Saquon Barkley is, um, I mean, he's not like overly opinionated or anything like that. He's very, uh, to the point sometimes, but I, I do feel like every time Daniel Jones is in front of a microphone, he gets asked a question. He just goes, uh, And then he gives like an Eli Manning answer. And I'm like, dude, this guy literally like fits the Eli Manning mold so well. And I remember when the Giants drafted him, I saw someone tweet and I wish I remember who so I can give him credit. But it was like, Daniel Jones looks like a guy who would play Eli Manning in a movie about Peyton Manning. And I was like, dude, that's hilarious. And that's so (laughs) cool. (laughs) It is
2: funny. There are some weird similarities, especially from their personality standpoint. Um, We'll have to see where it all goes this off season with Eli, with, I'm sorry, with with Daniel Jones, with Saquon Barkley. The expectation is both of those will be back, but there's a lot of big decisions to be made. So keep it locked and loaded. Big boo banter. As those of you who have been here before and been with us through off season, you'll know that. And a lot of you have said this too. Some of our best work comes in the off season, especially around the draft. We do a ton of draft coverage. We're going to be doing podcasts every Every day, once it gets to that final month, we're gonna be doing prospect profiles, a ton of film work, a ton of like targets for the Giants. Day one, day two, by position, position ranks. There's a ton of great stuff coming up on the draft. Also, gonna be some free agent stuff. This way, this week might look a little bit different uh, than usual as far as content goes. We're gonna be probably turning it over to big pictures and future forward-looking stuff earlier than expected with a game like this, a thirty-eight to seven whopping. But we'll see. We haven't made any final decisions on any of that. So keep it locked and loaded. More content coming your way. Try to have a good rest of your week. Uh, it's going to be tough for all of us. I, I, I'm pretty down in the dumps right now, Nick. I'm trying my best to put a smile on though, and maybe, maybe find some kind of solace in the fact that look, this season was a lot of fun, right? The Colts win, a lot of fun, a clinching win to win the season that gave us fan, that gave us as fans joy that day. The Minnesota Vikings playoff win. One of the most joyous wins we've had as a fan franchise, uh, you know, as a fan base, in a long time. The offense clicked. We were up most of that game. It looked good. We won a playoff game. The Ravens win, great win. The Packers win in London, great win. The second Washington game, great win. There were five, six, seven great moments. The Titans win, going for a two-point conversion, ballsy call, winning for the first, winning the opening game for like the first time in years as Giants fans. Still, so many great moments that we have to just reflect on. And as Joe Shane once said, reflect on what I just said. So that's what I'll leave it on. (laughs) Great, bro. Yeah, and then he did end up trading Tony, but it is what it is.